So here we are. Mm-hmm. You and me. Mm-hmm. Talking about. Mm-hmm. All of the things that we wanted to talk about. We've never done that before. <laughs> again yeah how are you great how are you good I'm great I am so excited for today because we are about to talk about my one of my most favorite Marvel characters and my favorite movie from the MCU so we're in timeline yes and we're right on the next one to Captain Marvel yes Uh, and I am stoked I'm also stoked because I know that you're going to hate this movie and I can't yes. wait. <laughs> yes. War is a universal language. I know a renegade soldier when I see one. Never occurred to me that one might come from above. Space invasion, big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. Yes, please take us away. We are okay. So I'm going to start with a, a on good ground for you. Yes, and so I'm going to start with a summary of the film, and then mm-hmm. I think we could maybe talk a little bit about. Uh, maybe what you thought about the film and how you yeah. summarize the film as well. Okay, yeah. so I'll start. So, yeah. <clears throat> a little known fact, Captain Marvel is actually a sequel to a 1944 film starring Ingrid Bergman. In the original, the main character doesn't have the ability to fly or super strength, energy absorption, or the ability to release highly powerful photon blasts from her hands. But just like Captain Marvel, she is involuntarily wrapped up in the search for some powerfully valuable jewels. Just like in the original film, the main character is made to question her identity, her capability, her values, her place in the world, her emotional ties to other women, both matriarchal and communal, and also how and why a variety of greater societies or political powers will or will not accept her. The original movie is, of course, Gaslight. And that theme continues in this movie, my most favorite from the MCU. In Captain Marvel, Bierce, also Carol, has no memory beyond the past six years of which she has spent on the faraway planet of Hala, the central location of the great Kree empire. The Kree are run by a supremely intelligent AI, and the extreme genius of this AI is made immediately apparent because it chooses to present itself as motherfucking Annette Bennett in a truly (laughs) hot girl shit wig. Well, yeah. (laughs) Uh-huh. But just like a truly hot shit girl, a uh, hot girl shit wig, what looks good on the outside is really all made up of lies, subjugation, slavery, and uncomfortable white beauty ideals held together by lace and spirit gum. Yeah. It turns out that hot girl shit Annette Bennett and the Cree Empire are garbage. Hot girl shit Jude Law is garbage. Even hotter hot girl shit, uh, fuck, I'm going to say his name wrong, Jaimon 
Marcus Honsu. I can't say his name. I, I pronounced his name wrong. Uh, who's in the Star Force. They're all garbage. They're all gaslighting garbage. And their enemies, even the scroll, are gaslighters. By the way, they're evil fucks in the comics, but painted well in the movies for now. Mm. So half-wittingly, Carol escapes, goes to Earth, discovers friends, her past, and realizes that she's the real hot girl shit, arguably the most powerful being in the universe, and oddly patriotic. More importantly, though, she realizes what I think all of us female and queer identifying people should realize, we're all being gaslit by the patriarchy and capitalism at all times. Especially we're all being told that the ways... <laughs> <laughs> we're all being told that our ways of thinking our ways of feeling and our ways of being are incorrect or inappropriate or uncomfortable or professional or uncouth and we dim our light sadly our battles are much more subtle in that we can't just remove the apple air tag glued to our neck and fly through a warship to protect ourselves and our planet earth which is what carol does to win the day then instead of staying around to melt the patriarchy and transform capitalism she flies into space and leaves the rest of us to clean up the mess yeah and yet, she's the only character in the MCU that I genuinely wish that I could become. Wow. I don't know how applause is going to come across. Okay. So <laughs> the movie that you just described is one that I would genuinely like to see. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> and maybe we should just watch Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually seen that movie. I should. Oh I should, my I should. god! <laughs> you just you just picked up on the name. Uh, yeah, I read the I, I read the movie summary. <laughs> I, uh, I I like I like this perspective. This is helpful. I think this would be helpful for skeptics, um, and and for people who saw no um, worthwhile content in this film. That, that was really. <laughs> I do. I'm being genuine. I really, I'm, I'm rethinking things now, like in, in, in uh, vitro right now. Um, that's great. Thank you. Um, I'm sort of floored by that. I, well, I'm, oh, really? I, yeah, well, because that's more interesting than my experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, huh, I'm going to let that percolate while I, I tell you my, my, pre you um experience or reflection I yes, guess. Please which do. is, which please is do. to say that I really would like to pat myself on the back and in fact am right now and did many times she is I can see her she's doing yeah it. yeah yeah for um recognizing that the tesseract is in fact the protagonist of this entire series so um <gasps> yeah <laughs> Your friend is back. My friend is back. I feel like my friend is here to stay. I I feel like a genius for recognizing that in the, just the one movie that I saw so far. Um, and, and, and I was like, oh, maybe what's going to be interesting to me is to rethink these things as not like explorations of what it means to be human, if we can even go there. Um, I think it wants us to, but I'm not sure if we can, but, but like, what is the post-human or what if we just decentered the human experience to rethink it in terms of this, you know, uh, magical power that, you know, is beyond all of us. So, you know, I see that the Tesseract is a refugee in this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
which is like a, a larger theme of the film, right? Who's like sure, traveling sure, sure. from place to place without documentation or like a clear historical record of where they're going or where their migratory patterns are. Um, so the last I saw of the Tesseract, because we're in chronological order, right? Was like in Antarctica. Yep. Uh, but then somehow it got to a space station with Annette Benning or pre, I don't know. I, I think it's in a space station and then it's in a lunchbox. It is, yeah. Yeah. And then um, it gets followed by a cat and then it gets harked mm -hmm. up on Sam Jackson's desk in one of those post-credit mm -hmm. scenes. So, so I'm also thinking about this as like a story of transportation and like different mm -hmm. <laughs> transportation devices. Mm -hmm. Modes and methods of transportation. Yeah, which is actually legit. And I'll get back to that later. Um, yeah, so um, so I'm obsessed with the Tesseract now and the Tesseract's <laughs> like, you know, abilities to be in different places, how it gets from one place to the next. And I was also thinking like, maybe we should reshape the timeline, not like in the MCU chronological universe or like production time, but like to follow the Tesseract. The tesseract. I'm so confused as to how it got from Antarctica to a space station. First of all. Well, yeah, absolutely. And also the fact that there seems to be like Tesseract offspring that's powering different devices. I'm super confused about the technology of that. But offspring. yeah, like, you know, okay. So the bright blue light is the Tesseract in the cube, but there's like the Apple iTag that's on Brie Larson. <laughs> I think that was great. <laughs> the AirTag on Brie Larson. The AirTag. And then there's, there's also like another machine that looks like, like the one in Captain America, the spinning gyrational machine that has like blue light. Oh, like yeah, these are yeah. all like Tesseract powered things because they have the same energy. Um, and it reminds me of, um, okay, E.T. So I was thinking of like Brie Larson and her magical mm -hmm. glowing red fists. And then I was mm -hmm. thinking of E.T.'s orange glowing fingers. <laughs> And it, clearly there's a parallel here. So I Googled E.T. <laughs> and there's like the E.T. The e I want to go home. I have this orange light. And when it connects to somebody else, it becomes white and blue. And so I really think that there's, you know, a, a similarity between the Tesseract and E.T. and just wanting to go home. Mm. And so being placeless. And where's the Tesseract's <laughs> home? I don't know yet. I have 24 more films to get through, I think, before I find out where Tesseract's home is. Are there 24 films? No, there's 26, and I've just watched two. You've watched two. <laughs> You've suffered through two. No, I have wow. suffered okay. through one, and I truly suffered through a second one. So, okay, so that's me. Okay, okay. All right. So <clears throat> there's some... some sort of uh, coming back to the conversation that we had last time talking mm. about uh, the origin story and the power of the origin yeah. story and the the meaning of the film for those that maybe know the background story for the comics is obviously a very different experience for those that, that do not. Yeah. There's so much history with Carol Danvers slash Captain Marvel. And right. there's so much of it that gets, that is snuck into this film it is so good. It is so good. And so for me, it's like, I, this is the third time I've seen this movie. Whoa, okay. Yeah, it's my, it's my favorite. I love it. This is the third time. And every time I see it, I, I am uh, 
just I'm, re I'm recognizing and realizing that there are more things that are that are uh, inspired by her character history that show up in this film. So, for example, uh, the idea of her losing her memory here, it's from the explosion. Um, uh, but in the comics, it would be because Rogue absorbed her memories and her powers and she loses her sense of identity. So, oh, Rogue. They, yeah, Rogue, right? Rogue absorbs all of her powers. Oh, I, rem oh, um, I remember this. Yeah. From, from the, the comic comics. Book, right? I yeah, do. I mean, from the from the cartoon, the X-Men like cartoon, right? Way back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that's how Rogue uh, be became so strong is that she absorbed that's the powers right. from Captain Marvel. So she loses her memories and she loses her powers. But actually the crazy thing is that is that the story of Carol Danvers is really fucked because she gets attacked by Rogue and then she ends up um, getting, after that, she like gets kidnapped by a super foe and she gets taken to another dimension and she's, raped and then she has this child and then oh it's and then she comes back from that and then she immediately gets attacked by rogue she loses her powers then she goes to space and then she gets kidnapped again and she gets experimented on and she forms a connection with this white hole in space and then is able to tap into the powers of a star so she becomes bind her name becomes binary she travels through space she's crazy power powerful mm -hmm. she loses her connection um, and reverts to original powers and she's an alcoholic. Uh, and then she sees this alternate version of herself where she's like the greatest hero in the universe. And then she tries to do that. And now in the comic books, and I think part of this is tapping into her, how fucked up her previous story is. She's in the Avengers. She defeats the secret evasion, which is about scrolls. That'll be in Captain Marvel 2, the sequel that comes up next year. She runs uh, sword, which is the the organization that's supposed to defend the world from extraterrestrial invasion. She has her own team called Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps. She runs <laughs> Alpha Flight. She's part of the A Force. She leads the Ultimates, which is like a superpower thing. Mm. Um, then you find out that she actually. So the whole story about her absorbing through that explosion that's similar from the comics but then you find out that her mom was actually Cree so she really is genetically a human Cree mm. hybrid mm. the daughter that shows up in the film is actually the second Captain Marvel so there's six there's no daughter Mar in the film the daughter of the friend Lieutenant oh, Trouble oh Lieutenant Trouble okay not okay yeah, yeah. Not Lieutenant the daughter but the daughter of the friend got it got it yeah yeah, yeah. Lieutenant Trouble was actually the second Captain Marvel in the comic books. Our Carol Danvers is the sixth Captain Marvel. Uh, <laughs> I can't. The... You have to stop at some point. So it's okay. Keep going. The daughter and the, the daughter has superpowers. So what we see of the way the daughter is really inspired by Captain Marvel is going to impact who she comes to be in future sure. movies. Sure. Um, it's crazy. So like knowing all of that and you watch the movie and you can see all these, these tie-ins and all the stories. And that is also very exciting. And after we talked last week, I felt that and I understood that of like that visceral feeling of like, oh, I know what this is, or I know what this means. Sure, and you have sure. like this giggle, this like internal giggle that really fuels a, a different lane of appreciation for the film and sure. so I was thinking about you in those moments because a lot of those things don't have meaning necessarily no they're totally meaningless and how interesting. <laughs> yeah. let's just let that go I'll, <laughs> <You're> like, uh. <laughs> uh, I'll just move past that one um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. 
So it's fantastic. So there's, I love the character. I love all of those things that appear in the movie. I'm obsessed with this movie. And so for me, it was really enjoyable. And what I really am excited to hear about from you mm-hmm. is why it was not enjoyable. Why what? it was so difficult to get through. Cause it's so, I'm so excited to hear that. What makes you think it was so hard for me to get through? Uh, was it the text messages I sent you during the, the text messages where you were like, did you actually rewatch this whole movie or <laughs> there was, you were like halfway through. And then I was texting you like, where are you at? How's this going? And it was utter radio silence. And I was like, oh, she has ended her life rather than follow through on this commitment. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was very much rethinking this idea that I had of watching all of these Marvel movies. <laughs> I, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So to deal legitimately with what you just said, um, yeah, the, the referentiality of this film is, is turned up to 11. Um, this movie... I, I won't say it doesn't make any sense because it does, right? There's a cause and effect from scene to scene that as a whole, I, I could actually tell you what happened in this movie. I could actually probably do a better job of telling you what happened in this movie than with Captain America, which as I'm saying, this strikes me as um, uh, odd actually, right? Uh, (laughs) Because, um, so there's more narratological sense in this film from beginning Mm -hmm. to end. Mm -hmm. But, but in terms of sense or meaning making, it is honestly the most meaningless movie I have seen in a very long time. Uh, It, (laughs) it is, um, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just so vapid to me. It is utterly without, I have nothing nice to say. I'm trying to like temper myself. As no, it's... I told you, don't be precious. It's like so vapid to me. So um, the reason being is that I think it is more, entrenched in referentiality than Mm -hmm. you know the other movies which i've seen which are not very many but more so than captain america like captain america until we got to that halfway point was at least like like you're trying to tell me a story this movie felt like you are just trying to visualize things you already know yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so to that point, um, all of the dialogue is meaningless. It's, it's all stock dialogue. There, there's like, there's nothing meaningful about anything that anyone says in this movie. Right. And like the, the pinnacle of this <laughs> is at the very beginning to me when Jude Law and Brie Larson are in the train and she says, what is the um, almighty, what is it? Like the almighty being? The supreme intelligence. Supreme intelligence. 
<laughs> all right what does the supreme intelligence look like to you and he responds with like you know it's different for everybody i don't have to tell you that and then he proceeds to explain why it's different and there's yeah. like almost a look on jude law's face it's like i'm delivering this land to the audience right like because it's a meaningless conversation between these two characters um and that's almost all the exposition that you get everything else is like stock dialogue like now is not the time to talk about this you're gonna fight or die we're gonna go for it he's not what he seems you can't talk to me that way like it's all lines that have yeah. been set down in action movies before that are just like dragged in to make a script and then you intersperse them with like these comic comedic moments that have nothing to do with the characters that deliver them or what's going on in the film they're entirely like enclosed within that very moment of the film they don't speak to anything larger right so like this movie would almost be better as a silent film the dialogue means absolutely nothing <laughs> so it conveys nothing right it only <laughs> means things if you have this like indexical knowledge right but for Absolutely. somebody who doesn't know you're like this is just garbage trope throwaway slog i've seen yeah. a million times the imagery is the same way oh now i'm getting a spiraling out of control airplane sequence oh now i'm getting things coming out of warp speed oh now i'm getting a hand-to-hand -hand martial arts sequence oh now i'm getting this they don't connect they don't build a story there's if you are coming outside, I'm ranting. If you're coming outside <laughs> of the comic book knowledge that you just very eloquently shaped, this movie is an utter failure at storytelling. There's no world building or storytelling here whatsoever. That's my. <laughs> well, that's my, I... my punch. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's, and that's, I mean, obviously I didn't uh, go to the- um, Sorry, that was really harsh. You. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I do think that you, that it's so true. And I was, as I was, as I, I was watching it and I was thinking of you, because the thing is, is all of the emotional relationships that, that you need to have with anybody in that film, if yeah. you're coming from the comics, you already have it. So you right. don't, you don't need them. You know the story. You don't need them to build the story. You know their relationship. You don't need to build their relationship. You're just taking characters that you love and you're just, they're just being those characters. And so there is a certain amount of like, it doesn't, the investment is already, it's already here. Like when you already come with the investment, the expectations for, for maybe what the characters do or the story isn't this is not at all the same if you don't have that access to that referential data or you don't know these characters already. And I think what I was think was also thinking was if you look at the it's very interesting that the main character's name is Captain Marvel, but her name in the film is either Verse or Carol. Nobody calls her Captain Marvel. Well, because there's Marvel. <laughs> 
Yeah, well that, <laughs> even I, as a lover of the comics, this thing that they do with the Cree people where they take one word and put a hyphen in the middle and it's supposed to represent something else drives me off the, off the, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I can't see yeah. it, but I'm not Minerva. I'm Minerva. <laughs> but what I was thinking was nobody calls her Captain Marvel and you the story is centered around a character that doesn't know who they are mm. so it's like you spend the first maybe half of the film exp you have to connect to this character and they don't know they have no idea who they are six years right. of it's like it's like weird because she's got like six years of of memory on Cree but she certainly doesn't act or behave like she's been there for six years it feels like she's been there for like six weeks right and then you don't really even and even when she like gets back some of that history it doesn't really seem like she's in you know like taken all of that history and really knows who she is and so it's also very interesting to approach a, a film where the main character doesn't know who who they are but you know if you're a comic book lover or a Captain Marvel lover, you know who she is. Right. And so there's like a, a past that also comes with the difficulty of trying to tell a story with, with a character who has complete memory. Well, well okay. So I'm gonna challenge that a little bit. And I'm, I'm going okay. to reveal that I have seen Black Widow. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Aha. So I have seen Black Widow because I'm a huge Florence Pugh fan. And when we finally get to Black Widow, I will talk more about that. But um, that is also a narrative that's based on like not knowing who you are or where you came from, or you have like a fake background and you're trying to negotiate that. And that movie does it so well, mm. actually, um, mm -hmm. for somebody who doesn't know who these characters are. Uh, the, what I think the the failing of this movie as a movie is that it just didn't invest in its screenplay. Like it just did not give uh, this character a legitimate screenplay. It was only mm -hmm. based on action sequences from one mm -hmm. shot to the next. Everything I talked about, about lighting and color in the previous movie, like all of that's bad in this movie. Totally but doesn't, terrible. <laughs> absolutely. But it I doesn't matter. You talked about the palette and the palette yeah. of Captain yeah. America doesn't exist in this film. I mean, there's a consistency from scene to scene, but not overarching. For right? overarching, yeah. And um, so it's like everything, like whatever went into making this film, a lot of the artistry was left behind and it was just mm -hmm. about delivering a product so I so mm -hmm. to me there's like no screenplay and I think you could have done a better job of presenting what you <laughs> summarized mm -hmm. in a screenplay uh this just was like like yeah this movie is I'm just gonna say inaccessible to people that don't have that yeah it's oh uh, it's, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's too bad it's too bad it is it and and what's what's very interesting about and, and i so i love this film but i, I also fully recognize <laughs> but the thing is i fully recognize what you're saying i love it because i love the character and i like watching this take 
of this character that I already yeah. know. And and for me, because I know I have all of that background, for me, I thought this, it's interesting. The other thing is, is that because I know her story, this is a sort of a, a different version of her story. And so for me, the narrative of this film and the story of this film isn't, that's not everything that Captain Marvel is. And so it doesn't need to be a super, super powerful, super tight, super mm. compelling story because it's just another sort of piece of paper in the folder of information about this character. Right, right. And so I think that that also changes maybe a relation, a comic book lover's relationship to the film. The crazy thing about this movie is that it had the sixth biggest opening. It earned more than a billion dollars globally. One of the six biggest openings of all times, apparently. Really, really, I think, financially successful film. Not reviewed super well. Not, I, I looked at some <laughs> I can reviews. see why. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is really interesting. And so what, so what I'm interested in, what I would be interested to know is for all of the people that, that paid money to contribute uh, to this billion dollar earning. Right. How many of those people had reference for the character before they, they came in? I'm curious about that too. And that's, it's one of the things where, you know, like 10 minutes into the movie, I was thinking maybe it was a huge mistake to watch these in chronological order chronological. within the universe, because by this point in time, I think most moviegoers would have seen a number of the other movies yeah. that are one acclimated to the form, two acclimated to the universe, and three, you know, if this is a summer blockbuster film, they're hot and they're tired and they're not paying attention anyways. So <laughs> I'm just riffing there. But like, but I think that's important is like building up those expectations and being sort of acclimated. So I thought, oh, maybe this is a you know, I, disservice is a strong word because all points of entry are valid, but, you know, maybe it would be very different if the, this was like the 14th or 15th one of these that I'd seen. Right? Absolutely. There's the, and there's, there's a buildup, there's a buildup to this movie um, that comes from, I think, I'm not totally sure, uh, one of the later Avengers films, mm. because this actually, this movie came out I think of it's like the second to last movie in the current before sort of Endgame. There's like a there's like an end note that says Captain Marvel will appear in Avengers Endgame. Endgame. And in between yeah. Endgame and the movie before Endgame, the movie before Endgame shows Nick Fury hmm. uh, in a very dramatic scene with that pager that she gives him at the end uh, of this uh, film. Uh. Yeah. And he's pushed it to call her to come back home. And I it see. and it doesn't in that page, the pager, what appears in the window is the Captain Marvel insignia that's on her chest. Mm. And that moment for me was like, I freaked the fuck out. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God, they're finally bringing Captain, they're bringing Captain Marvel in. Right. And so there wasn't, you're, I think you're right to see this movie later on and the buildup that comes because it's the other thing is this is not just a story about her it's what is it if you know the context of the story what does it mean to know that someone as powerful as 
she is exist in the universe and that they've called her back. And so the expectation of the film is not just who is she, but also how does this connect to the major role that she's going to play right. In, right. in the crown jewel that is Avengers Endgame that brings this huge sort of scope of, of content to a close. And so there's all of these other pieces that contribute. It doesn't yes. overshadow, I think, what you're saying about the lack of narrative backbone. It's an empty film. film. I, yeah. So, but this like extra textual referentiality, um, I, I mean, I, I was thinking of a scene in particular even before we started this conversation, but you know, when I queued it up in Disney Plus on the platform, um, it says like, what just exactly what you've said is that the most powerful figure in the MCU, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And um, there's no way I would know that from this movie. Like there's no, right? Like as far as I can tell, she can punch things real strong and she can fly. But other than- She flew through that ship and she- That's what I mean, she can punch- weapons. She can punch, um, okay, okay, she's yeah, super yeah. strong. She can punch things real hard and she can fly. The combination of those things. It's not like she has like, you know, she can transmogrify or like has ESP or like has all I know are those things. So to position her as like yeah. the most powerful doesn't exist here, right? Totally, because totally, because totally. the Avengers don't even exist yet, right? She's the reason why they're now called the Avengers. Um, but without that extra textual knowledge, there's like no way to know why she's even more important than anything that's to come or has to come, right? right so right, right. so this gets back to like, well, I have a question about this later, my like more serious question, but like, yeah, there's no, there's just nothing here for anyone to hold on to if you don't have all that information. And there's a scene that I think really highlights this in the film and it's when, Lieutenant Trouble, Captain Trouble, whatever, the, the daughters. Trouble, yeah. Le, yeah, Lieutenant Trouble. She's like showing Carol Danvers at this point, right? Like all these photos from her life from when she was a child and then when she was a teenager and all these things, showing her all these like photographs, which of course this like eight-year-old kid would never know, like this is when you yeah. were a kid, right? There's no way this kid should know any of this information about this person's life. And to me, in that moment, this little girl is like a stand-in for the fan, piecing together, like, no, 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 no. Like, 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 let me tell you, like, excitedly, like, I know who you are. I read all the comics. Like, this is you, this is you, this is you, this is you, right? So it's like a stand-in moment um, for the, the knowledgeable fan, but for like the anonymous spectator is just sort of like yeah that's that 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 silence was me throwing my hands in the air (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. with a look of utter disgust on your face your mom's lucky when they were handing out kids they gave her the toughest one lieutenant trouble you remember is that mine no, no. You hang on to it until I come back. But there is something that I need your help with. I can't wear these Cree colors anymore. And since you are obviously the only person around here with any sense of style, 
see. Definitely not. <laughs> well, since we're on the same team. Captain Marvel originally for a long time was Miss Marvel. That was her name, Miss Marvel. Uh, and there's one of the, the most popular characters in the Marvel universe right now, in the comic universe right now, is the second coming of Miss Marvel. And she is um, a Pakistani Muslim immigrant. Her parents immigrated and she's growing up in New Jersey and she's obsessed with the Avengers and she's obsessed with Captain Marvel and then she gets superpowers and she takes on the name of, of Miss Marvel. Um, and so there's also, that's also a part, I think what, what you see with Lieutenant Trouble and who Captain Marvel means to her. Uh, Lieutenant Trouble is also in WandaVision, which I haven't seen yet. As oh, we should watch up. that later though, actually. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely should. Um, she's there and she apparently has some negative feelings towards Captain Marvel because she's been away for so long. So there's this other thing I think you've, you've really is, is very important to the character of Captain Marvel. And I think to a larger conversation, which leads into something I want to ask you, um, which is very, which is very much about Captain, Captain Marvel, the subtext of Captain Marvel, the, the, her presence in the universe now, as opposed to someone who has written in a very misogynistic way is now not only is she one of the most powerful beings in the universe but a lot of her power comes from this idea of her inspiring other other women or girls to become powerful in their own right so the the younger the impact that Carol has on Lieutenant Trouble, that will be a, a story that will continue. This idea that Carol inspires the new Miss Marvel who becomes super popular and super powerful and like a, you know, a, a hero in the, in the universe too. There's a thing, there's this, this interesting thing about this idea of like inspiration, of motivation, of uh, the female to female empowerment subcontext through through this character and so that it made me wonder what what your your reaction was to that scene where she's like where Annette you realize Annette Benning is bad and they're and they're sort of like arguing and Annette Benning is like you're only human and then it's a and then she has a flashback of all of these times where she gets knocked down or she's told by men that she won't be able to do it. She's just a girl and she gets up every time is her like getting up and you see her getting up over and over and over. And I'm curious what you, when you saw that, what your feeling was, was of, of that scene. Schluck. <laughs> <laughs> um, that just came out. Uh... 
Look, I, 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 I'm going to respond oh to God. this. I promise. It's like, having, it's like having an aneurysm. Yeah, um, like severe constipation, like mental constipation. Like no, no. It's like, how do I, how do I frame this in something that's that's actually useful? Um, I think this this film. I'm not going to call it a film. I think this movie. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I hated it so much. I'm going to edit that. Out. Um, I think this Don't movie suffers uh, from like a lack of direction. Like I, I just mm-hmm. keep coming back to, you know, regardless of the source material, which you're totally selling me on, like everything you've described, um, even from, your summary of the movie, which draws far more on extra textual information than what's actually arising out of the movie itself and yeah. and the power of this character within the comic books, um, you know, I, f- I find to be very compelling and very interesting and, and, and lovely actually. Uh, and I keep saying this, like, I wish I'd seen that movie. Uh, what what I, I just keep coming back to the mechanics of this movie, which is I think it just suffered from a really bad screenplay, a really bad direction, really superficial art direction, right? There's just nothing cohesive here to me. So instead what you get is like a bunch of moments that have ideas, but none of those ideas have a trajectory mm. or a linked in any yeah. way. So um yeah. And there and there's lots of moments where those there's there's like little nuggets of ideas that mm-hmm. are just never explored. So um, this idea of being powerful, right? Like like the stand up moment of like I'm getting knocked down, I'm gonna stand back up again. It just like comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's a it's a powerful visual sequence to be sure, mm-hmm. right? And the message is really really clear in that moment, like all of these people have told you you can't do this and yet you keep getting up over and over and over again but that idea comes like out of like if that is not explored in the rest of the movie at all right it's just like a three minute music video that's like inserted Mm -hmm. into this larger film if anything that idea is more strongly expressed in captain america right like that's from the beginning a story of this little guy that keeps getting rejected yeah. and then like rises yeah, yeah. to the occasion. This just was like, oh, okay, a bunch of people knocked her down, but I, I never saw that coming. But sure, fine, yeah, that's fine. That's a good, powerful image. What, whatever, uh, you know, or like, uh, yeah. And I think, I yeah. think, you're, I think, <laughs> I think you're. I think you said I like. I really like something that you said, which is that there's all of these powerful images and these powerful moments in the film, but there's, there's, they're not necessarily connected in a way. Yeah. They're not connected as a story. They're just powerful. And, and I think like, as listening, listening to you talk, I connect back to like, she's like her memories and she's in the bar and that guy's like, you'll never be a pilot. Don't you know why they call it a cockpit? Or there's like, you know, like moments where, where she like, crashes the car and she's like you let him try 
It's talking about her brother. That's what's yeah. Brother. Yeah, it's so fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. I I think you what you said I I I really related to because those moments probably are supposed to connect to those moments of her standing up. But mm. there's nothing in the film that connects them. No. The only way that they're connected for me is because of all of these sort of extra contextual understandings I have of the character. And so the the relations that I make to those things are mm. not. And I and so I wondered that when the people made the film, did they get presented with this character that has all of this history and all of this weight? And did they make the mistake of creating a film because that turned out the way that it did because they weren't able to disconnect themselves from the contextual histories that they had when they approached the, like that balance of how do I make something that the com that comic book and non-comic book lovers will both enjoy, which I, I agree with you, they didn't, they weren't able to do that. But also the question of adaptation, like when you take a story from one medium to the next, you know, like the question of why, like, why am I doing this? What can I offer this story by adapting it from one format to the next, you know, and, and generally speaking, I think that most people who take on adaptation activities feel like they can tell the story in the new medium in a certain kind of way that that like sure. accentuates it. But I think that within this franchise that's so established already, that question of like, uh, like what can I add to the story or how can I tell it in a meaningful filmic way at this point is so lost. It's really just trying to create another installment. Um, Absolutely. So it's like not to knock Captain Marvel because everything you describe is just so wonderful. <laughs> It's just like this movie sucked. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it sucked. Like, from, so, like, like from an outside perspective. Yeah. Which is such a funny, like it's so funny to, it's just, it's so interesting to be on the opposite side of that and to like yeah. have, like, I, if you ask me, so like, would you watch Captain America again, the film from last week? I would say, mm, let's watch something else. But yeah. if you were like, do you want to watch Captain Marvel again? I would be like, yes, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I probably will watch the movie again at some point now that I'm I'm inside of, of the Disney Plus platform because I loved it. And it's Great. so funny to like- I love that. To, it's just so funny to be on this side of that and just like, not at all. I don't think anything that you're saying is, is wrong. It's so, it's just so enjoyable to have such a different experience of the film because of all that contextual information. So I have another question for you. Yeah, let's My next move question on. for you is- We gotta get yeah. me out of the, the negativity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, just be negative. It's real fun for me. No, 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 it's no. So my next, my next question is, uh, now given, I, given the, the lack of uh, good, uh, narrative in the film. Let's just put that aside. I thought it was very interesting that there's no romance. Oh film. yeah, I have a question. So Go ahead. last week when we were foreshadowing this movie, you cast uh, Captain Marvel as being a lesbian character and you're like, it's very clear from the beginning. So, but I missed that. Like what? Oh. <laughs> So, Wait, is she? <laughs> so, 
How do we know? I, I'm, if I said it's very clear, that is definitely a misstatement. But oh, I think okay. the, the subtext of her relationship with the other female pilot ah. and the female, the female pilot, there's no, there's like no dad. There's no talk of the dad. He's not there at all. And, oh. and as they say their goodbyes, uh, she says, you've always supported me without question. Like me as a, me as a pilot, me as a mother. Um, and so there's, and then like, I know that they were friends, but I think, I think that sort of, and I went to go see this with a, le a lesbian friend in the theater and she was very excited because she was like, I love that they're, that they're so gay. She's like, they, they oh. were totally. So it's queer potential there. Yeah. There's queer okay. potential. It's, it's, she's not a lesbian, but there's, but there, but, but there is like when she turns on her, her head, her helmet, and then she just has a mohawk, which doesn't make any sense because she's got long hair and it's so she, funny because my spouse came into the movie at that exact moment and then he was like why does she have a mohawk and a and a suit and I was like well obviously her hair has to go somewhere <laughs> like I totally Duh. rationalized that I was like that's fine I that's the least of my worries in this that's the, movie. Least, <laughs> the least thing that I'm suffering from right now but then there's also like so there's like and then she shows up she shows up later and she got a real um, just a real lesbian haircut that people had a very strong response to as well, which oh, she does in the okay. comic books too. I see, and like, I see. you know, she's like, she's like in the Air Force. So the, the, the narrative of Carol Danvers is really interesting because she's originally like the security manager for a NASA site or a, like a flight site for um, the Air Force, that's when she gets her powers. And then she's just part of the Captain, she's just in the Captain Marvel comic book. Captain Marvel is the male, is actually a male in the comic book. Um, he comes from Kree to, but then he, he comes to Earth and he sees humans, he loves humans, he defies the Kree and he's like the greatest hero that that the Earth ever had. He dies of cancer, which is really weird. Um, but then the first comic book that that Miss Marvel, Karen Dan Carol Danvers as uh, a superhero is called Miss Marvel and she's like the editor of a woman's magazine is like her day oh. job and then she's like a superhero so there's like this real like 70s wom women's lib character I'd love to, to see that movie so, that'd be yeah, a great movie a real... that I'd watch <laughs> but it's it, I the reason I bring up the romance thing is that I think it's so it's like so misogynistic and so troubling that she has this like rough and tough sort of like military brass like brass balls sort of like history because she's like a you know she's like a fucking test pilot and then in the comic book she goes there's just this always this thing about like her girl side versus her like hero side and that those things can't be the same and then we got to this film the thing that is what stands out is that I feel like in every other Marvel film some there's some sort of romance that's happening mm. In this film, there's no there's no romance. There's love because you see the scroll loves his wife and his kids or whatever. There's love. There's a story of love, but there's no story of the spark of romance, which is something uh, that keys into all of the other films, especially I when see. they're predominantly male led. And I so, I think it's 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 like a very interesting uh, 
it's just a very interesting dichotomy that shows the difference in storytelling when you want your your predominantly male audience to respond to the hero and the pursuit of romance versus mm. what happens when you have a female male character female main character no I think that was right female male character a female male right. character yeah yep when you have a female male character the difference in that and I think it all has to do with being whether men are open to being pegged or not do you want to think about the person that you relate to <laughs> fucking or yeah. getting fucked and, yeah. the, and the power exchanger and so I thought that was also very interesting yeah I mean there's a sort of, of, of questions um you know, one that I've had for a really long time is that, you know, is it truly a feminist position if you just plug a, a woman's body a woman. into yep. what could otherwise just have been like a, a cis hetero male role anyways? Um, and, and in this case, maybe that's more true. You know, there's like nothing that speaks to um, any of the varieties of female experience <laughs> that might manifest it or impact the narrative in any way um, other than the extra textural stuff that you've already talked about right yeah. so um, there's that happening there you know that there's the lack of a, a love narrative but maybe that's even you know maybe that's just because like there's no narrative We got the ketchup stain off. Thanks, Lieutenant Trouble. Hmm. It's hard for me to say goodbye to. to squeeze into the film could you imagine trying to also I guess I don't I mean I don't know I keep coming back to like everything that you've suggested would have been like a far more intriguing <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe it's what just, that speaks to is it's just a bad screenplay like, it's just a bad screenplay yeah, yeah it just speaks to more to the things that that like I created as an experience of watching well you're film fabulous that's why <laughs> <laughs> so I have some I have actually so I have some questions too um although I also I you know just because I'm I'm coming at this as somebody who doesn't have all this information I just want to uh, put in place a couple of speculations last week I'm so proud of myself for for recognizing that to Tesseract is going to be so important I'm just so ch chuffed uh, <laughs> that I just want, I want to throw out some more speculations, right? And then we'll like okay, see okay. over time how this plays out. So there's this guy who's Cree, I guess, who's like a, a super overlord and he's like always in the shadows, but he has like a big giant hammer. Ronin the Accuser is his name. Okay, didn't know that. Ronin? Ronin, like, R-O-N-A-N. Oh, Ronin. And okay. A-N, yeah. That's better, okay. Uh, <laughs> otherwise we're gonna have a separate conversation. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's got like this hammer 
And I happen to know from the first film that we watched that the Tesseract is Odin, the, the Norwegian god's former best friend. So Odin, who's also Thor, has a hammer. Isn't it Odin Thor actually? Odin Thor the Thor is Odin's son. Ah, okay. So the hammer links them. So I happen to know Thor exists in this universe. So I was yeah. very keyed in on that hammer, is what I'm trying to say. That hammer is going to be important. Okay. Second, maybe. Second thing is that the Cree come from Hala. 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 At Hala. 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 And also Odin and Thor exist in the Nordic uh, realm of Valhalla. So I'm also just going to put that out there in the... Okay. That's it. Those are my speculations. Okay. It'll be, it'll be good to see those come around. Whether they crash and burn or how, how genius I am. Let's do abhor, um, the things we like we didn't, and we didn't like, which I think we're now going to dub what we abhor and or what we adore. Adore. Abhor, abhor adore. or adore. Um, and <laughs> I think we should go in that order. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Do your do your abhor uh, mm -hmm. and then I'll do my abhor and then we'll do adore, adore. I think we should do that. And I want to hear yours first. Oh. Um, what did you abhor about this film? I, abhor, I'm trying to get to that in my notes. Oh, um, the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get to that in my notes i actually have that written down too yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm not surprised you don't have to point i'm sure <laughs> i'm pointing at my notes look look it's written right here i'm not lying you <laughs> um i abhorred <clears throat> that moment where she's she's communing with the supreme ai or the supreme intelligence or whatever the last time and they're uh -huh. like fighting or whatever. Uh -huh. And then uh, and then Annette Benning like shoots at her with like green green light or something. Uh -huh. And then she uh -huh. and then she like stands up and like walks through the force of the attack or whatever. That didn't make any sense to me. That one moment didn't make any <laughs> sense to you. <laughs> Everything else I was pretty clear on. God, I, was like, I need to read the source material to have this insight. Yeah. It's good. I hate it. I believe you. I believe you. I That's thought it was so very funny. dumb. I thought it was very dumb because I was like, I don't understand what she's, I don't understand what she's doing. And I don't understand like, yeah, it was very, it was like, yeah, it's very dumb. So what did you adore? I, I, I want to go back to the Annette Benning part because I think okay. earlier in this conversation, you were like something about like, you know, being villainous or not being so good. And then Annette Benning's character showing up and, you know, you're talking about that. And I was like, well, Annette Benning was my first glimpse that this was not going to be good. What? <laughs> We're just like serious shade on Annette Benning. <laughs> yeah, why? What do you mean? I feel like when, when Jude Law shows up, that's a serious moment of like, record scratch what it's a little bit like seeing stanley tucci in, in captain america ah, and, yeah, but yeah. seeing annette betting i'm like this tracks like that <laughs> that girl needs some money <laughs> this makes sense <laughs> no really oh yeah <laughs> anyway it's like my super diss on poor annette benning uh bless her i had heart. no idea you know she has a tony 
Oh no. Yeah. Tony nominated. Yeah. Tony nominated. Aren't we all? Uh, so. <laughs> well, I think that I liked. All right. I, I've thought about this for like 20 minutes. That was what was prolonging the start of our recording session. Cause I was like, I gotta, I gotta come up with something nice. So there, <laughs> there were some, some canted angles uh, and some like 90 degree camera angles at the very beginning of the film, which are not innovative by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I thought that they worked nicely in suggesting a sense of like positioning the character as being sort of like out of their realm of, of like framework or sort of um, creating a strangeness of place and time. And if there's anything to me that, that is consistent between two films that I've seen so far, uh, is that they like to start out with presenting the viewers a an opening sequence that's like we're going to come back to this moment right there's like a pattern now that's like here's a mysterious opening but we'll come back to it and we'll explain how we got there as a framework um, but they they want to um create it in a way that's like a strangeness of both place and time so it's not just like how did this dead body get on this apartment floor in new york city it's like the the, the actual placeness of it is made very strange the timeliness sure, of it sure, is sure. made very strange so i thought that those camera angles were nicely placed I... this is scraping the bottom of the barrel of compliments <laughs> uh for me of things that i liked and then i'll also say i liked the setup of the library scene so when they're in the library trying to to break in to some archives or what have you um it's the probably the, yeah they're in like library stacks because they're trying to break into a government archive in order to yeah, that is yeah 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 it's not a it's not yeah okay but they're library stacks, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, clearly got yeah, like yeah. volumes and whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's a nice art direction in that very moment that sort of does capture the late eighties, nineteen nineties, and and it's dramatic in a way that makes the library stacks very dynamic, and it really mm. re reminded me of. Um, like Ghostbusters. There's a real like Ghostbusters original mm. aesthetic from that library sequence where you, you know, you have the ghost librarian who vomits up ectoplasm all over them. There's like, yeah, yeah. there's like a Ghostbusters palette and drama to going between the I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. That's, those are my highlights. <laughs> those are the highlights of the entire two hour film. Cool. Gotcha. <laughs> What did you like? So I, um, I did, I enjoyed, I got a lot out of that scene where she's like standing up and over and over and over. Uh, and uh, I think again, like I, like from a sort of like a, a, a queer perspective and like my own personal feelings on like the queer identity and the value of, of queerness and like mm. this idea of like constantly getting up and like mm. the, who are we at when, what happens to queer individuals and to non-queer society when queer people make the decision 
and the intention to do that, that unfair battle of constantly having to get up yeah. again and again, it just connected to something really powerful for me. Um, I love that scene. And then the other scene that actually really like made my nipples hard was <laughs> she like flies, she like destroys one of the warships and then like comes up to see to face to sort of face to face with Ronan the accuser in that warship and then yeah. she goes like this she like punches her hand and there's like this like sort of like polaric out outcast of, uh, of yeah, energy yeah. and yeah. she's got that weird where like the energy comes from her center and it's like pooling at her head and her feet and there's like a it looks like um I don't know there's like an energy nova sort of thing happening that yeah. I really literally made my nipples hard I loved it. I, I could we have like just taken these moments and made like a, a like music videos out of them, like a series Absolutely. of Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, then the thing the thing is is that I do have all of that contextual knowledge. So for me, it was like two hours of just watching my favorite joy. character. Yeah. It's just wonderful. I love the Ugh. whole thing. I wish I, I could access it. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've I listening to all that, I totally forgot that I I had a, a legitimate tap moment, which is seeing my friend Tesseract again. When I saw Tesseract <laughs> again, I was really happy. Oh. I especially liked putting him in the in the Fonzie lunch pail. Lunchbox. Yeah, because it's like even, like, yeah, lunchbox. It's even more like my friend. Um, I think it's so very telling that all these characters with all of this history, but the one that you most emotionally connect to is the one that is just a glowing cube. <laughs> no lines. It's, it's the most three-dimensional character so far. <laughs> oh my God. It's the worst. It's simultaneously the worst and the best thing I've heard all week. <laughs> so, um... I, I, ha I do have questions, but they're more conceptual questions, and I think that they'll relate to things as we go on. So I'm going to skip them okay. for now okay? Um, and keep things light, just because like, I feel like I've been such a Debbie Downer, a, no. a, Car a Carol Dan Danvers Downer. Downer. I forget about it. <laughs> um, Danvers Downer. <laughs> a Danvers Downer. So let, let's keep this light. Um, okay. And I, I want to come back to what is, because I really like this question. So like, what in this like absurd, ridiculous setup which we can acknowledge they all are um yes. what is like the short film depiction of a practical moment or like an outtake that you would like to see so mine um would yeah. be yeah. scenes on a train so we get like this early conversation between jude law and um free larson about like you know how this works but let me remind you once again how the ultimate supreme bearing works like blah 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 yeah. and then like she's on a train 10 minutes later in los angeles um which on the one hand to audience is like los angeles has public transportation what but also <laughs> like she's walking around you get all these dynamics of like her beating up an old lady so i just want to see like scenes from a train that involves superheroes but from like the commuter's perspective like you and me on a train being like Girl, she just beat up that old lady. <laughs> That's what I want to see. You? It is, of course, because we are so aligned. No, I had the. It was the exact same. The exact same. I thought about this in advance, and the the thing that I thought about was there's that scene where 
she's like beating up the old lady and then the guy like runs through the door she picks up the crystal and in the moment where she picks up the crystal he's like between the the doors and has transformed himself into another man that's standing on the train and that same man is looking through the door and looking horrified and to that man's left is a guy that's like fully just reading the newspaper and so I was (laughs) (laughs) and I was so so my the thing that I want to see is just shots of the people that are on that train that are completely and totally oblivious to superpower beating up old people dropping glowing crystals just literally just this guy was like uh, you know, look at the newspaper. Like, Marge, I don't know to pick up yogurt. If you don't tell me to pick up yogurt, you gotta tell me to pick. And then, like, in the background, there's like this superhuman, like, fight. Superhuman they're, fight. They're happening. arguing they're about just... groceries. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we had the same thing yet again. The That's same thing. Awesome. Uh, another question I have for you, real quick, is, and this really bothered me throughout the whole film, but um, from the very beginning, you get like this typical sci fi uh, text at the bottom of the screen that's like, this planet, this city, and the coordinates, but in in this case, they make absolutely no sense um, in any like scientific or sci-fi like lexicon. Like it's like Hala, capital of Cree civilization, 8K7M.YY67A47 plus sign 583698L. Yes, I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> as the coordinates and then like you find out that like this is orbital physics mechanics or whatever but like that consists through a while it's like just like bullshit captain log star date blah 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 yeah yeah, yeah. um what would your fictional coordinates be <laughs> it would be my.ass my.ass uh-huh at all times at all times (laughs) because because if i've learned anything about this life everything revolves around my ass so i'm always at the center and everything has an orbital physics relationship to my butt now that i understand the the physics of that relationship i think my coordinates would be y o dot a s s yeah That's it. Uh, with like, you know, degrees of separation. Absolutely. So yeah. I have one question for you before we close out. Yeah. Uh, if you could be, and you can't a- answer Tesseract, unfortunately. If you could be what? any character Why? from this film. Tesseract. <laughs> I just said you can't say Tesseract. You can't. It has to be someone besides. It has to have someone with movement. The ability oh, to move their body. This is obvious. I know. And I knew this as I wrote this, who you would say. The cat. The cat. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't decide if it's because you're on the path to becoming a crazy cat lady, or if you're just really interested in tentacles be- through like Ooh, your Japanese no, connection. No, no, no. I didn't know. No, no, no. Although a graduate student, I have learned that the graduate students at my university uh refer to me they, they describe me in short as a nice cat lady and i i was like oh i'm clearly over 40 now um which is true <laughs> <laughs> so 
At least you're the nice cat lady, though. I'm a nice cat lady with multitudes of cats. Yeah, I well, I I found myself I found myself heavily resistant to the cat because I clearly loved Sam Jackson, like his nonsensical um, scenes with that cat, where he's just like like totally like outside so of his character. You know, and he he interacts with a cat in the way that we would all reasonably interact with cats. That's what we would all do. It's the most human moment in the entire film. Yeah. Um, and then when the cat scratches his eye, and we now know that's how he gets his his eye patch, which eye is patch. like totally insane and absurd. I found myself yeah. resistant because I was like, this is so clearly pandering to my demographic, and yeah. yet I. I I would be the cat. I would I love the cat. <laughs> you? What's your favorite? You would be Captain Marvel. I'd be Captain Marvel. Of Absolutely. Course. Of yeah. course. Okay. All right. I love this film. I love that you didn't love this film. I love talking about how much I love this film and how much you don't love this film. Well, importantly, um, I I didn't like this film, but it's not that I didn't like Captain Marvel. Right. And moreover. I love your script pitch for this film. Let's make That's the next Captain thing. Marvel movie. Yeah, I think we could do a bang up job of it. I think we could. What's right, the so next, next thing we're gonna watch? It's Iron Man. Oh, I have actually seen this before and I didn't like it, but- I didn't like it either. I might like it more than Captain Marvel. <laughs> okay. so. So we know next week that we will be fighting about which movie is worse, which I think is going to be an excellent conversation. I think as time goes by, we need to start ranking them, actually. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Marvel, number one. All right. Even though we disagree, (laughs) I love you so much. I love you too. I can't wait. Next week, you and me, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. I'm no longer a fuck up because I'm a rich man like my character.